0: Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to
1: cookbook authors. Hello, my name is Zoe Adjanya. I'm very happy to be here talking about my cookbook, Zoe's Ghana Kitchen. Before diving into this
0: book, I'd like to thank my new sponsor, Bloomist. Bloomist creates and curates simple, sustainable products that inspire you to design a calm, natural refuge at home. I'm excited to announce they've just introduced a new tabletop and kitchen collection that's truly stunning. Surround yourself with beautiful elements of nature when you're cooking dining and entertaining and make nature home visit Bloomist.com and use the code cookery20 to get 20 percent off your first purchase or click the link in the show notes now on with the show You're a chef, writer, and speaker on the intersection between food, culture, identity, and politics. And for the past 12 years or so, you've been promoting and evangelizing the fantastic flavors of West Africa. Now, this has been a personal exploration of your identity through food. I'd love for you to kick us off with that.
1: Yeah, Zoe's Got a Kitchen as a book, as a brand, as an idea is a really very personal unfolding story of my relationship with my ancestry through food really so I guess contextually it's important to mention that both of my parents were immigrants to the UK my mother's island and Irish sorry my mother isn't Ireland she's Irish um, and my father is Ghanaian and they both emigrated to London in the 70s, in a time of, you know, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs, that's still very much out there as a statement, you know, so they came here with not much money. So they were poor immigrants trying to make a life for themselves. And I'm born as the first English person in my family. So, you know, I'm a third culture kid, if you can still get away with being a kid in your 40s, which I'd like to think you can. And yeah, you know, geographically, Ireland obviously is very close to the UK and is very cheap economically to to travel to. So we spent a lot of my childhood, all available school holidays and things like that were spent in Ireland. So I had a really strong sense of Irishness, Irish culture um, and what that meant in terms of who I was and my personality. What I didn't have was that same sense of relationship with Ghana and Ghanaian culture. And though my dad is Ghanaian, he wasn't um, a very permanent presence In my childhood, but when he was around, food was a very, very strong part of my memory of of my dad as a kid. So, and we didn't have a Ghanaian family, extended family in London. So I had this big gap in my understanding of who I was on that side of my ancestry. Coming back to food, my dad used to bring home these amazing ingredients like kenke, which is fermented maize dough, a little bit like a tamale. Um, Chito, this. Really beautiful, spicy condiment with smoked crayfish and smoked prawns and the variations of fishes. All of these textures and flavours were wildly different, obviously, to anything that i would become familiar with in Ireland. It wasn't just that these ingredients came into the home. It was how my dad had a relationship with those ingredients and food. So he would cook for himself. It was a very personal, private moment, meditative thing that he was cracking on with. And he didn't have much inclination, generally speaking, to equip my sister and I with sort of any foundational culture. So the, the language of Chui or, or Gar or Fanti, for example, he wasn't very interested in teaching us and he was very keen for us to assimilate. So... The food then became this tool I found from quite a young age by which I could access Ghana um, and have a relationship with it. Does that answer the question? Yeah, totally. And I've heard you say that
0: where your Irishness and your Ghanaian-ish Ghanaian-ishness
1: <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> collide
0: is that um, you're both feeders. Both yeah. cultures are feeders.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's much more in common between the cultures than anyone with probably imagine actually so ireland has a very strong catholic association so religion is a big deal in family there in the south of ireland and you know religion um christianity in a more general sense is very big deal also in ghana as a former colony and those are two big central themes but also yeah feeding people and like family the concept is family and it taking a village so family and extended family are both quite um, important aspects to both those cultures as well as the fun stuff or the other fun stuff I should say because food is fun um, and family is fun if you've got a good one Um, but also you know things like dancing and music and storytelling and the, the oral traditions and so yeah there was just a I discovered, mostly through going back to Ghana in 2013, when I was arming myself with recipes for this book, just how much those two cultures had in common, actually. Yeah, it was a very fascinating realization. So after
0: a trip to Ghana in 2013, you deepened your knowledge and found a new relationship to the ingredients. After mm. discovering, the three women in your father's house all had
1: three different takes on jollof. So going back to Ghana in 2013 was to get a really good grounding sense of what these recipes are in their place of origin. Because also, while my dad introduced the recipes to our house, it was my mum who kept that cuisine alive really, my Irish mother, like recreating those dishes. So in the context of what is traditional in your home, it's like, I I only knew what I grew up eating, you know, so it was important to go to Ghana and really understand what the vibrancy and the texture and the flavour was like on the ground, but also to expand my own knowledge and repertoire. And I did that through being in my grandmother's house and making my aunties take me to markets and them cooking with me. And the other part of it was I was very, very concerned with not culturally appropriating my own culture, which I think baffles some people, but being of mixed race heritage, being biracial. I didn't want Ghanaians or the Ghanaian community either in London or in Ghana to think that I was bastardizing, excuse my language, their food and appropriating it so I needed to get some license some currency for myself to be able to understand what was possible what I can do with it and how I can interpret it and having three different women so my grandmother's housekeeper my aunt Evelyn and my grandmother all had three different recipes for jollof just that moment there of having these three different women from three different tribes cook it slightly differently but each have um, absolute assurance that that was how you make jollof was interesting because there was nuance to be had between households and like what is traditional in one household can be slightly different to what is traditional in another household so that gave me some currency and some license and then the other part was my dad mostly didn't use very fresh ingredients when he cooked so you know it was tin tomatoes tin sardines tin pilchers tin this that and the other and so I had this wonderful surprise when I was in Ghana in Accra and in the surrounding areas of noticing the abundance of fresh ingredients the variety and abundance of herbs and spices that were available. I was overwhelmed by the variety, of, for example, of seafood and like things like squid and octopus, and all these kind of, I guess, in my mind at the time, very Western gazy ingredients were actually abundant in Ghana as well. And so I was learning all these different types of ways and styles of cooking, learning about the abundance of fresh ingredients, and then having this extra knowledge on the nuance available as regards what is traditional, and that really gave me the license to be able to come back with confidence and be like, right, all of these ingredients are Ghanaian ingredients. And how about if we reconfigure them like this? What does this look like? What does this taste like? And is this still Ghanaian? Yes, it is. But it's new. That trip was very um, edifying on lots of levels. And, you know, I got to connect with my family after a very long time. I read somewhere that
0: you got there and they assumed you couldn't make Ghanaian food.
1: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> looking good, full stop. Um, yeah, there's a lot of assumptions. <laughs> I'll tell you the story, this anecdote. I'm mixed race, so I'm light skinned. And in Ghana, that makes you a Bruni. Like if you're not from Ghana, you're foreign, which is an interesting thing because when you go back to somewhere because that's where you consider home and then you're considered a foreigner, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy to be in. But There it was. And there it is. So there's that. And, you know, I'm an out queer woman who's very outspoken. So there was a lot of of me that there might not be for them to like. There's a lot of me that clashes with what is traditional Ghanaian culture. And I was worried about all those things. And also I was worried about um, I didn't want the pressure of them knowing that I ran a food business in the UK. But by which time, incidentally, it was already quite well known and in the press, great deal. But I didn't want to be put under any pressure about it. So I didn't tell them what I did for a living until I absolutely had to. And when the conversation came up, it was because I'd been to the market with my aunt Evelyn and Kineshi. There's a little anecdote about this in the book where she takes me to Kineshi market to go shopping. And we're going to make kwan, which is the tree word for groundnut soup, which is the mother name of peanut butter stew, which is how I grew up calling that dish just because of the sheer amount of peanut butter that went into it and so we were preparing this dish and she was preparing it in you know a very quasi-traditional way so in it it had blue crab it had land snails it had goat it had mackerel it was a real surf and turf version of the dish very different to how I would prepare it um at home and while i was talking to her in the process of preparing this it came up that i was familiar because she was confused about how i knew the names of so many ingredients and all of this so they were <laughs> really, so really funny surprised. i know they were really surprised that a i knew what the ingredients were b that i had a handle on how to prepare and cook them and see that i could get hold of them in the uk they were really puzzled that any of these things would be available so then I went from being embarrassed about wanting to talk about it to being like overly ego driven, because then I was like, well, actually, this is like, I have this <laughs> the club and yada, yada. So I was trying to make it sound really grand. And then my uncle was like, oh, so you do catering. <laughs> really kind of cut me down to size about what it was I was doing and I was like uh yeah yeah I guess that's what I do but then we all ate this meal and obviously I was incredibly nervous (laughs) and and yeah they loved it they were very surprised by how well I made the dish and um, I got the ultimate compliments you know and my grandmother was called it very tasteful that was like wow that is it. Who needs a Michelin star? Grandma. <laughs> Grandma says it's very tasteful. So that was the challenge I wasn't expecting.
0: So last weekend, I made the recipe for light soup with chicken on page 129. How do you pronounce it? ka.
1: It's kind of almost like silent K, but you have to get it in there. Please, said I am not the best person at speaking tree or fancy. Uh, my dialects aren't necessarily the best, and I have this terrible a Southeast accent that loves to murder most words. So, um, but yeah, nkra is how, you know, yeah. how I pronounce Yeah, N-K-R-A-K-R-A.
0: Okay, yeah. so that's on page 129. And the chale sauce, uh, which is on page 247, goes into the soup. Mm-hmm. And that is life-changing.
1: Oh, yay! On board with the chale sauce, yeah. And
0: it's the Holy Trinity in Ghanaian cuisine. And chale means friend, which I
1: love. Nkra. Or enka is um one of those dishes I love because it's really easy for everybody to relate to because every culture has a version of this. You know, we think of chicken soup for the soul. Yeah, you know, everybody has a broth, a chicken-based broth that's like healing and nourishing and delicious. And this is that. And chale sauce is is my own invention because what I noticed was there's this certain set of ingredients that crop up over and over again when you're cooking sort of stews and soups and things like that. And I thought, why don't we just combine these into a thing and just call it chale sauce, especially for this cookbook, because I wanted to make it as easy as possible for people, right? And don't forget when I wrote this in 20, I was writing it in 2013, 2014. So people really didn't have a relationship with this food then outside of the diaspora. And chale sauce is that wonderful thing because it blends the trinity, as you say, like the ginger, the onion and the heat with the components of the sauce, which is, you know, pepper and tomatoes and it's really handy and it's called chale sauce because the word chale means friend or pal or mate or buddy but also because my dad is called charles and his friends used to call him charlie which for some reason when i was a kid used to bug me because i used to think why don't they call him by his name because i thought his name was really important and like proper and so you know his friends used to call up looking for chale i thought but actually what they were saying was hey chale (laughs) (laughs) They're just saying, hey, friend. But I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't realise that until a long time after I went back to Ghana. So I thought it would be fun to call that combination of ingredients chale sauce because it's just a really friendly, easy um, sauce to make. And not only is it brilliant for, as I said, all of the soups and stews that go on in this book, but in terms of bringing Ghanaian flavor into other things, which is what I'm really passionate about, is how do we get people to enjoy the flavors and ingredients outside of Ghanaian cooking, you know? And it does that because it's the kind of sauce, I mean, we use it all the time when we're making meatballs or masaka or lasagna, you know, anytime you want to just like zhuzh up something that's usually a little bit bland add that sauce instead of your normal tomato sauce and you've just lifted your game 110 percent. so yeah chalet sauce one of my favorite things in here
0: now to my segment called dream dinner party where i ask you who you would most want to invite to your dream dinner party and why and for this segment it can only be one person
1: That is hard. One person to my dinner party. But I'm going to bring my grandmother back because she passed away last year. Cecilia Kwanzaa, I'd have her back to have a, a meal with me, discuss in detail what my father was like as a child. I'm still very curious about him. I definitely neglected spending enough time with my grandmother and speaking to her. So, yeah, grandma...
0: Where can we find you on the web and social media and Spotify and your online shop and all the things?
1: So, the website is zoezgarnerkitchen.com. And then on social media, I'm mostly active at Zoe Adronia at Garner Kitchen, but also the same on Twitter or anywhere else, really. And I have a podcast, Cooking Up Consciousness. You can find that on Spotify. You can find the playlist, Zoe's Garner Kitchen, on Spotify. There is a soundtrack to cook to and a soundtrack to eat too. Um, and then I'm editing a new book a collection of food writing, international people of color writing on food. So you can check that out at unbounders.co.uk. I'm basically everywhere on the internet. I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just open <laughs> your browser and Zoe will pop up. <laughs> to purchase Zoe's Ghana Kitchen and support the podcast, head on over to cookerybythebook.com and thanks Zoe for coming on Cookery
1: by the Book podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lovely conversation.
0: Follow Cookery by the Book on Instagram. And thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book.